and welcome to the Global Luxury Real Estate Mastermind with me, your host, Michael Valdez. Today is a fun day for me. I have somebody on the show that I consider a very, very dear friend, someone that I've known well over a decade. He is such an industry leader, and it is my immense pleasure to have Sasha Rochelle on the show today. Sasha, how are you, my friend? Oh, my God, Michael, I'm good. And uh, to, to be called a leader from a man of your stature in this business is, is quite an honor. So it's a great way to start the year. Oh, brother, listen, you, you are a great leader. You know, we've, we worked together in another brand. And, you know, it's, it's exciting to see everything that you continue to do. And before we even get into this, you know, you've had an amazing, amazing background in real estate. But I want you to please share with the listeners how you actually got started in the business. You know what? Um, it's funny because real estate is that business where, you know, especially in residential real estate, where we say we take care of families and real estate was a family business for me growing up. My mother uh, being a realtor uh, for over 30 years. And uh, when I graduated university and I went to work uh, like every student does, you send out 100 CVs, you get three interviews and you have to beg for that one opportunity. I didn't like what I was doing. And my father said, you know, why don't you join your mom in real estate? And uh, this is going back to 2004. And I took my real estate class and it's been, you know, an incredible adventure. And quite frankly, for anybody looking to get into the business, Lord knows I was extremely fortunate to have someone as experienced as my mom to coach me. But I would always encourage anyone getting into this business to always have someone to mentor them and to help them grow because it's, uh, you think you, you know it all when you come out of school, but let me tell you, every transaction is uh, something new. So that's kind of how it started for me in, in this business. So what was that dynamic? Your mother was, was, was in the business for 30 years. What was it working with, 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 your, with your mom, with your family? How do you separate that? When does she become mom and when does she become your boss? <laughs> it's it's uh (laughs) that that fine line between love and hate no i'm just kidding (laughs) but it was uh you know what i gotta tell you quite frankly and i'm not trying to boast it in any way it was actually pretty easy i've i've always had a very close relationship to my parents uh being an only child i spent a lot of time with them i spent a lot of time with their friends uh when i was a kid uh spending a lot of time around adults. So I kind of learned the lingo, if you will, from them. So working with her side by side was just kind of a continuation of our existing relationship. It's just that we made money while doing it and kind of made work a lot more enjoyable because you don't have to fake yourself with the person you're working with as a partner. I love that answer. So, you know, now you are um, a amazing, well, you always were amazing, uh, but you actually went and purchased uh, Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Quebec. You have an incredible, incredible legacy in Quebec. Can you tell our listeners, I think you're my first guest from Quebec, and I would love for you to share a little bit about the Quebec market, please. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I could really be a pain and do it all in French and limit the number of people that could understand what I'm saying, but I'll continue. Sure, why not be annoying? It's, it's, <laughs> <why> not? <laughs> I, think, I, I think it's important for your listeners to know also the, the, the beauty about, you know, you and us, you and I talking today, just as a side note, is, is the fact that we 
I believe that that you and I and all the other people that you've spoken to on this podcast is a testament to what this business is, which is a people business, a relationship business. And we've been able to keep a friendship regardless of where we've ended up. So it's a, I encourage anybody also in this business to continue in that and make sure to value the relationships they have on a daily basis. It's so true. And, and, and it's so important to, to say that. And I appreciate that. It's always been a great friendship from day one. And really, I treasure that with you, Sasha. And I don't I didn't want to segue from your question. I'm not trying to play the political avoidance, but um, the Quebec market, you know, for those of you listening that uh, are familiar, obviously, with the country of Canada, uh, Quebec is the French speaking province of the country where we are uh, legally obligated and culturally, I would say, because it's actually a very beautiful thing uh, on, a, on, a point, on a standpoint of culture. It's everything has to be in French before English. So what does that mean? If you take the major cities in the country, Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver, you've got Toronto, which is your New York City, if you will, of Canada, the business hub. You've got Vancouver, exceptional coastal city, huge agent influence, as well as um, the Silicon Valley of Canada with a lot of tech companies moving up there. Quebec, because of the uh, stringent uh, French laws, it makes it that it's very much, I would say, more than anything, a lifestyle purchase. People that come here, majoritarily European uh, from uh, abroad, have some form of knowledge of the French language or have some cultural affinity to the European cities from which they come. So, you know, in Quebec, for example, especially if you look at a city like Montreal, you're talking about uh, countries such as Dubai, uh, Lebanon, Paris, obviously because of the French speaking influence, Italy, Germany, Portugal. So uh, a very big melee of, of, of different cultures, uh, which makes our city very unique, both in the way that people conduct business as well as in the day-to-day -day, uh, lives of its residents. But because of the fact that we are not a financial hub in the same manner as Toronto and Vancouver, we've always stayed a little bit under their pricing. Uh, more recently than not, because the market's been on fire, we've been, I don't want to say catching up, but the gap has kind of closed a little bit, but we've always been historically very stable. It's not like what I call the defibrillator effect with high peaks and big dips afterwards because at one point it reaches too high, you dip. It kind of goes up, stabilizes, keeps going up. And surely enough, the only thing that would really affect uniquely the Quebec market would be a political situation in which the government decided to attempt once again to separate Quebec from the rest of the province, uh, the rest of the provinces, excuse me. But in, in, in actuality, if there was a major dip in the market other than that one cause, it would be because everyone in the world is feeling it. It would be economical, uh, you know, for, uh, currency, uh, whatever you want, but it wouldn't be limited to things that are just hitting Quebec. So it's more of an insulated market for sure. Yes, yes. Really interesting, really interesting. So, you know, let, let's get a little bit into your career. So you spent well over a decade at, at Sotheby's, which is where you and I first met, and you rose to the chief brokerage officer in Quebec. Tell me a little bit about the journey at Sotheby's and where when your time there, because you would spend quite a lot of time there. You, you know, I have to say I, I have the, the utmost respect uh, for that brand. Uh, I still to this day keep in touch with people 
from it uh, sure. in and outside of Canada, of course, and, and people like yourself who we've had an opportunity to work together, we stayed friends. But um, I, I did the switch to Sotheby's in 2009 as a realtor with my mother as a partner because um, it was the only game in town when we combined both the luxury aspect as well as the international aspect. And, you know, a, a renowned brand, a great name. And uh, at the time, it was very small, like most franchises start out. I mean, most of us in Quebec know each other as agents. And uh, we knew the players that were there and we had an affinity to them. And just as a side note as well, so that there's an understanding when I say that the, the size of the market, Canada has a little over 120,000 licensed realtors. 14,000 of those realtors are in the... Uh, province of Quebec. So just to give you an idea, when you think that the greater Toronto area has 80,000 plus, it's not that big of a market when you're working in particular cities within the province. So when I say we knew each other, if you're working the luxury market, we probably did cross paths at one point in a, in a transaction or tried to collaborate on, on one thing or another. Um, but when I joined the brand, I, I, I loved it. We, we did very well, Maureen and I. And then uh, like most partnerships, unfortunately, it had to end, but my mother still gives me grief to this day because I decided to uh, take, a, take a, a leap of faith and go into management. And at the time, there was a wonderful man who was a partner within the business, but has been my mentor who, um, as you know, Michael sadly passed away a few yeah. years ago. And uh, Dave took me under his wing and taught me how to work on project management and, and new developments and uh, manage sales teams there and was grooming me to have a managerial position within the province of Quebec. I then took over as the director of operations for the Quebec branch of Sotheby's International Realty Canada. Uh, once the company was sold later on to the first buyer before the most recent sale, uh, there was a CEO that was brought in uh, who to this day is still a very dear friend by the name of Brad Henderson, who promoted me to chief brokerage officer for the whole country based on the results that I had generated within the province of Quebec. And then like all good things, the company changed hands again. And uh, obviously when you buy something, you choose to do with it what you will. And they decided to bring in their own people, which is just, you know, fair game. And uh, that's kind of when I, I left and, and went on this brand new journey. But that was, that's a little bit my story within Sotheby's International Realty. And, you know, I loved every day of it. And I have no bad memories. I, I really enjoyed the people and most of them are still friends to this day. Uh, you know, it, it's it's the same experience with me. It's a great brand and, you know, it was a great training ground and, you know, it brought us to other experiences and it's wonderful. And uh, Dave was my boss, as you know, for, for many years as well and was an incredible soul. So greatly missed. Um, so, you know, let, let's talk about the, um, the luxury market, because that's really where you have so much of your experience. How do you, Sasha, define <laughs> luxury? <laughs> Please don't put me on the spot. I insist. <laughs> it's your show, brother. <laughs> Nobody else I can put on the spot right now. <laughs> How do I define luxury? Well, you know, I think I think it's important to to recognize that, um, you know, not not to be corny and and uh, and quote Warren Buffett, but you know, the thing is that uh, price is what you pay and and value is what you get. When it comes to price, every market 
is its own entity. Having overseen um, our markets over four provinces uh, in my past role as Chief Brokerage Officer for Sotheby's Canada, I very quickly noticed the differences between each market and what is considered luxury. So for example, uh, not so long ago, if you were, and, and please forgive me, I'm going to be giving these prices in Canadian dollars, but not so long ago, you know, paying $1,100 a square foot for a condominium in the heart of downtown Montreal was considered luxury, whereas cities like Vancouver and Toronto had already reached the $2,000 a square foot mark. Um, we've, you know, since then risen a little bit, but so has those other markets. So luxury is really what we defined as being the predominant high value real estate in certain areas of the city, which really differentiate themselves, not solely in price point, but in services, proximity to the core or value of land um, and, and, uh, and so forth in the sense that it's not just to say, oh, you're $5 million, well, you're luxury. Because you could be $5 million in the Four Seasons residences, Montreal, but your starting price. Sure. So, so that's, that's kind of where we in Montreal define luxury as being really the community, the value of the real estate in the community, how that value has held over the years during the, the, the trials and tribulations of the market. Um, so, you know, not to get too specific, but you think about areas, for example, like Westmount, which is one of the uh, richest areas per capita in the whole country of Canada. That's a luxury market. Entry price is around $1.5, $1.8 million. And you're not necessarily getting a detached home for that price. And you may bring in a contractor to do your work. But then if you move outside of the city in certain boroughs, you may buy a house for a million dollars and it might be the most luxurious, most modern home you've ever seen uh, just because you decided to drive uh, 20 or 30 minutes outside of the core. So it's really a question of the market in which we we operate and and the values within that market over time that define what uh, luxury is. So it's always so it's not a price specific thing. It's more of your lifestyle and what you're looking to achieve from that. Exactly. Awesome. So tell me what somebody coming into the the industry today, you know, and, and I know that you've mentored a lot of people. And so somebody coming into the market today, three pieces of advice that you would tell somebody wanting to break into the luxury market. Live next to a liquor store. No, I'm kidding. That's not. (laughs) I mean, it's a plus, but it's probably not a necessity. Um, I think the first thing I would say is definitely be patient. Uh, When you are dealing, regardless of where it's located and, and, and what is considered luxury in that particular market, when you're dealing with the upper echelon, you need to understand that it is a process to gain their trust. It is a process to Uh, put your foot in the door and make those contacts and be known as a credible realtor, a credible representative to be able to sell their home or even uh, help them in purchasing one. So, you know, patience is really the game. Don't, don't rush it. Number two is always keep your ear to the ground. You need to know what's happening. For example, it's very easy to go into any core market and look at a condominium building after typing up the information you need on the computer and finding out an average price per square foot. But it's a lot different to go into a predominant uh, area, and I will take Westmount again as that example, and be able without a computer to say, so-and-so bought this house, but this is where they used to live. And by the way, the people's house who they bought moved here, and they did these renovations to it, etc. So really being being more than just research knowledgeable, being actually knowledgeable um, about your your market and and where you want to work. 
And lastly is whatever you do, make sure to always uh, keep your integrity. I mean, if there's one thing I've learned about the luxury markets is that if there is something bad to be said, it will spread like, I don't want to say a virus because of the conditions we're currently in, but you get my point. It'll yeah. spread extremely quickly, a lot faster than good news. So always make sure to maintain your integrity, be ethical, do the right thing. Even if you think you're losing in the short run, I promise you, you will gain in the long run. And you know what? That is sage advice because in our industry, you know that your reputation is everything. It is what you build your career on. And, you know, it, and I loved your second piece of advice of really getting out there and knowing what's available, right? Because we're in a world now where we have so much information. It's in our fingertips. Mm-hmm. We, every, you know, every buyer knows everything that's out there, everything. They don't know the history. Right. It, this is one thing that has really, um, really, really revolutionized our business. I mean, you know, I, I, let's take my mother as an example. I mean, you know this. Go back about 30 to 40 years. You went to your office depending on an agent that would have written down on paper in a big book their new listing. And short of you being physically present, you wouldn't know what's on the market. And you were giving your clients the information. They depended on you. Today, what I find unfortunate is that because of this ease of information, um, I find that, you know, I hope that this this changes, but I find that some realtors just say, hey, my client's going to call me with all the info anyway. I might as well wait on him. Well, that's the difference between a, a, a an aggressive and proper realtor and someone who may s- sadly find themselves out of the game is trying to continuously innovate and be ahead of uh, the competition, but being ahead of everyone else in terms of getting the information first. But definitely this has forced people to get out of their comfort zones and, and really work, really do the work. You know, when I was selling real estate in, in, in Miami and uh, leading that, that luxury team pre-crisis, it was the idea that everyone had to be in the office at 8 a.m., right? And somebody wanted a farm area they needed to do a presentation to the rest of the team members. If somebody asked a question and that person did not know, they did not get the farm area. And it was the idea that you had to be the expert because we were competing against the most elite people in the same marketplace. And we were just going for the top 1% of the market. That's all we wanted to touch. And we were, it's a machine. And so it was the idea that that's what they were paying for. They were paying for the expertise. They didn't need to sort of have you sort of pick them up in a fancy car. Who cares? They needed to know the knowledge base. And that's what you couldn't buy because that was the experience. Exactly. Exactly. And, and you know, and, and, and continuing, that, continuing, excuse me, in that thought, um, you, the public is is a lot smarter than most realtors give them credit for. You know, they know when someone buys something today, regardless whether it's a house, uh, you know, a barbecue, uh, a car, they educate themselves. And in most cases, when they know that they are getting the expertise and they are getting the service, they actually don't really care if they pay a little bit more than what they would feel comfortable with because they see the value in exactly what they are paying for. To them, 
they might some might see it as a higher number to them they're like oh you know what this is worth it and and i'm hoping that uh you know in time uh, a lot of realtors realize that there's there is tremendous value in knowing that and applying it because they will both feel it in the longevity of their business as they will in their bank account a million percent Josh. it's when you you go from being a real estate agent to being an advisor exactly right and so that's what they pay for especially in the luxury market especially in the luxury market and you know what we both have a mutual friend that does just that and she does a great job at it and her name is lee summers and she's an exceptional example of what it is to offer service around the globe to all of her clients through all of the advisors that she's affiliated herself with which she likes to call her partners which i love what that, that she does but she's on the ball like she's offering that service she's offering that extra mile and people recognize her for it and it's a beautiful thing absolutely absolutely and she's been a guest on this podcast and she's you know a dear friend of both of ours absolutely so um, you know, talk to me. You, you mentioned uh, or inferred about the, the the virus, obviously, and and COVID is changing um, uh, the whole world, but obviously changing our industry as well. How do you think it's going to be changing for real estate once we, you know, we've got a few vaccines now running around the world and. Um, and hopefully we'll be on the other side of this in a very short period of time. So how does the market look like for you in your mind post-COVID? Well, considering I launched a real estate firm in the midst of COVID. Uh, <laughs> You're optimistic. <laughs> I was optimistic, kidding. absolutely. <laughs> absolutely optimistic. Huh? <laughs> so I, I, uh, I will tell you that um, if anything, and, and this is, you know, again, my opinion, uh, unfortunately, it took something like this to happen to revolutionize what the way we do business as realtors, the way we do business as real estate firms. Um, and, and my heart goes out to all of those families that are deeply affected by this uh, horrific virus. But at the same time, what it did is that it actually forced agents to do what I was mentioning earlier, to innovate. It forced agents to realize that maybe they're complacent in their way of doing business. It forced people that were normally dependent on their usual tactics to make ends meet or to make their quota for the year, realize that, oh, maybe I should be more technologically advanced. Maybe I should invest in virtual visits. Maybe I should learn to do things a little bit more in today's technological era. The use of social media for advertising versus the print advertising that was so long used for many years by every realtor probably on the planet. The, the, the way that people have now been connecting online and getting information instantaneously, forcing agents to take those same tactics, those that same way of thinking and applying it to their business to be top of mind while people are at home and, and, and looking at real estate. And quite frankly, and, and I can't speak for every market as I've been here uh, in Quebec only uh, and, and mostly quarantined, if you will, because we just yeah. had a lockdown that was announced today in Quebec for the next four weeks. But you know, people have been uh, buying real estate like there's no tomorrow. Obviously, there's been factors in that because the, the interest rates are so low and it's like, you know, uh, the time to buy is now because it, your money goes a lot further when you, borrowing money costs practically nothing. But this need of wanting to move created by everyone being at home inside their four walls and realizing they might be too big, it might be too small. 
uh, I no longer love you. I love your sister. You know, these kinds of situations <laughs> that, 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 that made it. No longer a story, I hope. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just going to table that there and I'll let you get all the comments. But no, that's not, not absolutely not. But, but no, it, it, and if you think about it, you know, people can analyze this from now till next week. What I'm saying is that at the core, at its base, I'm sorry, people were stuck at home. Guess what? The proof is in the numbers. They gotcha. thought of real estate. So real estate was at top of mind. Now, you know, is this saying that will continue in such a way where things have been increasing everywhere and, and, and prices will go out of whack? Listen, I don't have a crystal ball. If I did, I would have bought us lottery tickets a long time ago. My there friend. you go. But, you know, I think that COVID from a business perspective really uh, forced the realtors to uh, up their game. And I also think that it's a revolution for the industry, which is now really being technologically uh I want to say more savvy, more, more uh, educated within the technologies that are made available to them. And listen, Michael, you are a living example of what that is being within your executive role over at a tremendous firm, XP Realty. My dear friend, Donna Delonzo here in Quebec, who does a great job managing the business for you guys. This, I mean, you guys were, as we say in French, avant-gardistes. You guys, I don't know if you saw it coming, but... Your whole virtual platform, virtual meetings, being able to do everything online with trainings. This is where our business is heading. This yeah, is it's the future for sure. Absolutely. So that's my COVID rant. That's about it. <laughs> All right. So now tell me about your ship. Tell me about Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. You know, I have... Uh, uh, another dear friend of ours, I know, works with your company, Ellie Johnson, and uh, in the New York office. And you, uh, in fact, had now come in as the founder of BHHS in Quebec. Tell me about that journey and congratulations again for that. I was so proud of you. We, uh, we probably changed careers or, or at the same time. I think you started Berkshire Hathaway when I left to EXP. Yeah, we were, that, I remember our conversation on the phone and uh, yeah. you know, it was, uh, it, it, I want to tell you, it was a terrific experience. I won't lie. It was very scary. Um, you know, my father uh, who, who's always been my, my advisor, if you will, a great businessman in, in, in his time and still to this day, uh, you know, retired at the age of 50. You know, he knows what he's doing. And uh, he always told me, he said, uh, you know, one day, when possible, always own. It's always good to own. And then when the opportunity came around to own a franchise uh, for myself and not go work for someone else, he was saying, why would you go do what you did before? And May, uh, make someone else profitable. You know, why don't you just build something of your own, something you can be proud of? So the conversation with Berkshire Hathaway, to be honest with you, was actually uh, introduced by Ellie after I spoke to her about the experience, um, you know, with them. And obviously she came from our school, right? Uh, she's seen sure. both sides. Yeah. And she introduced me to the executives uh, at BHHS whom, funny enough, I had met some during my time at Sotheby's because a lot of them were people that were with the brand or worked closely with people from the brand at that time. So, you know, I, I came in and, and you know me, I came in prepared. I had my business plan. I had my, 
my numbers, I had my financing in order, you, you name it. And, and I think to this day, the, the guys at Berkshire Hathaway Home Services would tell you that I'm probably the, the fastest to submit an application for a franchise, which was 48 hours after wow. they requested a 160-page document um, to get going. But uh, I got to tell you, I, I loved, you know, and, and again, this is just my opinion based on my experiences and nothing towards uh, my, my, my former company or any other brand for that matter. But I loved the fact that they were like you and I are, you know, they, they, they were approachable. They understood the human connection. They understood the relationship. Everything we discussed, and I'm not talking about a week of discussion. I was doing this by myself, right? Because I was not letting anyone know that I was in this. I started the procedures in November of 2019 and I was alone. And, uh, you know, everything that we discussed all up until the signing of the franchise agreement was all verbal and everything on paper was exactly what we had discussed with no caveats. And I respect that. I respect that immensely. It, it is truly a, a testament that they follow in the uh, way of doing business the same way that Warren Buffett does with Berkshire Hathaway Inc. I respected the brand. I respected what it stood for. I loved their international exposure. I wanted to be able to introduce it to Quebec because I have the franchise for the whole province. What was more, uh, what was more, I guess, a leap for both parties is that they are used to converting existing firms. I was a startup. Um, yep. so, you know, the pressure was on, but we were able to exceed their expectations. I had promised them 10 brokers by the end of 2020 were 18. Uh, you know, I had promised them an annual GCI of 900,000. We ended over a million. You know, so, and this is like, again, six months of operation. You know, we launched in May, started operations in June. But, I mean, you can't be more in COVID than you were in May of 2020. Um, and then I decided to bring on my, my two closest friends uh, with whom I've, I've shared not just a business relationship, but I know their families, they know mine. And uh, as my two partners, I, I introduced the idea to them in April of, uh, of last year. After I had gotten the franchise agreement, after I had gotten the license from our governing body here in Quebec to get the, to operate a real estate firm. So I wasn't going to go to them with maybes. And they jumped on it within minutes. And it's, it's, it's been a terrific adventure. But more importantly, Michael, it's been fun. It's been enjoyable. And I love having a brand that exudes trust and confidence, again, majoritarily due to the founder of Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett but also that is not deemed as being elitist and solely for the luxury. We cover all aspects of the market with a luxury component. Obviously, you've seen our listings on our website, but we're not deemed by uh, the public as being, oh, you also do this price point? I didn't think of you. No, no, they think of us, which is great. That. That, and you sound so happy, and I'm really happy for you. And it's, it's just terrific. I love, love what you're doing. And you're just so great at it. And you deserve all that success. Thank you, my brother. Oh, my gosh. You're, you're, you're just amazing and a great leader. So tell me, Sasha, what's the greatest lesson you've ever learned in your career? Be patient. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I will. Uh, <laughs> I know it sounds exactly like the piece of advice I'm giving people entering the real estate market, but I'll expand a little bit. It's, uh, you know, there, there's such a thing that, that, that realtors always want. And, and keep in mind, I mean, I was a realtor, you were a realtor, like we come from that school, we just took a different path. 
is everything I need it right now. And the problem with that is that you make a lot of mistakes. And, you know, Sotheby's was a great learning school from a management standpoint for me because I learned the value of taking a step back in front of a situation, not reacting right away, getting all the facts, uh, approaching it in a calm fashion uh, rather than just kind of pouncing on the problem right away where most mistakes are made. Uh, you know, patience has really been one of the things I've learned. Uh, although most people who know me listening to this will say, yeah, I don't believe a word you're saying, but I'm telling you it's the truth. They might not see, but, but it's there. But I, I, I did develop some, some patience and, and also, uh, you know, that, that, that kind of calmness, knowing, to, knowing that everything is going to be okay. It's, you are in control of the end result of any situation you are presented with. It's a question of how you're going to deal with it. You can't blame the situation. You cannot blame others. You only have yourself to blame if it goes sideways because you could have handled it differently from the get-go. That comes with great sort of experience. So I love that because you're, you're looking at it. It's almost like you're an observer looking in, right? And you're sort of saying, how could the situation have been different? And it's also the old adage that you can only control your own reactions, not anyone else's reaction to you. Yeah. And, and you know, the other thing that, that you know, helps a lot, and, and I completely understand that I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate to be in that situation is, you know, as an owner, um, and obviously we follow our business plan and, and, and you know, my, my goals and my, my objectives are shared with my entire team, but I'm able to be in a position where I can select the people that are going to be part of the organization in a sense that I don't need to uh, just bring in people for the sake of bringing in bodies. People that come to Berkshire Hathaway Home Services Quebec more often than not have a relationship with either myself or one of my business partners. And I was very adamant, and you've known me for a while, I was very adamant of building a family. And to be frank with you, we have been able to do that. And I think that for me is the 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 proudest thing in this entire journey i was i was interviewed by a a, a magazine not too long ago about the launch of, of our company here and you know i was asked and and they said you know do, do do your people think that you know they're lucky to be there and i said well they keep telling me how fortunate they are to be there but the truth of the matter is i'm the one that's fortunate because i've got them and this is a sentiment that's felt you know uh, across the company from even amongst themselves not just towards me but amongst themselves and Quite frankly, it's it's a very beautiful thing. It's work to maintain it. I'm sure in the long run, we'll see it a little bit more challenging as as things progress, because again, we don't have a crystal ball. But, you know, like I said, we're, we're in charge of our destiny. And if we continue on the path we are now, I, I don't see this ever uh, going sideways. I think that this culture that we've built will continue uh, within our growth over the years to come. I think that's a beautiful thing and it's your vision and it always starts from the top. And I think that, you know, because of that and because of who you are and the man that you are, that's really what resonates with what you're building. And, you know, I'm, I'm applauding you from the sidelines because I know that you're, you're, you, you know, you're going to be incredibly successful. You already are. I mean, and that's, is, it, it's just beautiful to see that journey. So what you're saying is if ever this doesn't work out and I want to apply for XP, I should use a pseudonym and just kind of slip in my CV. <laughs> see where things go <laughs> oh no you're you're gonna be fantastic and i have one more question for you my brother yes sir in this book of life of yours sasha what's this current chapter titled it's a loaded question 
I would have to I ask it. <laughs> uh, you know what? In all sincerity, I would have to say that this chapter is called gratitude. Um, you know, I, I went, uh, I'm not going to hide the fact that, you know, the, my transition over the, 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 the time that I was no longer with Sotheby's and before uh, deciding to do my own thing and bring on Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, it was a very difficult time for me, morally, mentally, you know, I let my health slip a little bit during that time. I was, it was, I was in a very dark place. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's like people like yourselves, like the real friends that reached out during that time. And um, the people here in the city that, that I've done business with or that I've been friends with for so long just kind of come together and they really um, elevated me and they really gave me that confidence to take the next step. And to this day, they're still by my side. And, you know, now that the, the dark days are over and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a very clear and sunny path ahead. Uh, I have to say that, that I'm entirely grateful for all of those people. And I've even found people that I thought were no longer going to come back into my life. And I was exceptionally fortunate to find them again. And even to the point that some joined my company as, as brokers and they're doing very well. So if I had to say the name of this chapter would definitely be uh, unquestionably gratitude. I, I think that's such a beautiful thing. And you know, again, it, it, it's, it is such a pleasure to really have had such a beautiful friendship with you over all these years and really just see your growth and, you know, the, the, the you as, as, as a father, as a family man, as someone who really cares about his family, about his colleagues, about his people. And really, Sasha, it is such an honor and a pleasure to call you a friend, to know you. And really, I appreciate your time today. And it's been a fantastic conversation. Thank oh, you for being on the show, man. Oh, my God, brother. You know what? It, I'm, I'm so happy that, that we've uh, maintained our friendship. And you know what? Uh, you know, I want all your listeners to know, and I'm sure everybody has said it, but let me just you know, say it one more time for prosperity. Uh, I'm telling you, the XP is so incredibly fortunate to have you. I mean, there's not a guy that I know in this business that has literally live day by day the importance of relationships and making sure that everyone around them is happy and elevating them and making them better you're like you're like real estate's tony robbins that's you <laughs> you're the guy <laughs> you're the guy and i'm sure that we will have the opportunity when things get back to you know the new normal um that you will be here to visit uh, your friends from xp in montreal and we'll be able to share a beautiful bottle of wine together my friend we, we will indeed, and that will hopefully be a lot, uh, will be sooner rather than later. And thank you again for the time today, Sasha. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it. It was a pleasure. Thank you. And thank you for all of you for listening. This has been the Global Luxury Real Estate Mastermind with me, your host, Michael Valdez. Mm-hmm.